Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. Hello, and welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lucan. Christine, how are you? We're, we're, we're heading into the depths of winter here. It's cold is not my friend. I don't know how you feel about it, though. Well, anyone who knows me knows I do not <laughs> like the cold. But it's funny because I was born in the dead of winter. I was born on December 31st. So and as we're recording this, we are we are approaching my 50th birthday pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, happy birthday in advance. That's well, great. thank you. Thank you very much. It looks fantastic. I know, don't I? No, you <laughs> you never know. It is a shame they can't see you on the podcast, I do have to say. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Oh, gosh. So today we have a very special guest, and I am honored to welcome her, Rachel Donnelly. She is the CEO and founder of Afterlight, a company that provides legacy planning and after loss consulting. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So, you know, today... Our episode is entitled, I'm an executor, now what? So I'd love for you before we get into the particulars about, hey, if you have suddenly found yourself the executor of someone's estate, what do you do? First, I'd love to dive into your story of how you got into providing these kinds of services for people who are in the role of executor due to the loss of a loved one. So you're telling me that this isn't something that you wanted to do. This wasn't your lifelong goal, Christine, to, to do this, to, to serve as a death consultant, as some people call me. <laughs> well, you know, like the title of executor, it sounds very fancy and important. It does. It does. And it's just fraught with these sort of misunderstandings and mystery, but yeah, this was, you know, it's interesting. This is not the job that I, you know, of course, envisioned for my life. Um, but one I sort of felt uh, has been leading, I've been leading up to my entire life. And I know that may sound funny, but it's true. Looking back now, in retrospect, I'm like, this was what I was meant to do. But I grew up in a very small town um, in, of Hampton, Georgia, um, where my father was the only physician in a very small town. We moved there um, when I was about uh, four or five. And it was this sort of Mayberry sort of lifestyle growing up there. My mother always said you had to drive 10 minutes just to change your mind because there was just nothing and nobody in this town. But it was very nice, very small bringing. But my father being the sort of town doctor, I was, of course, introduced to sickness, to death. Growing up, I used to accompany my father on, on house calls. 
on rounds at the hospital. People would show up at our house at all hours of the day. Our phone would ring off the hook with nurses and other doctors calling. And people would show up, like I I said, at our house with medical emergencies all the time. So it was just something that was very normal to me being around people who were at the end of their life or sick. Um, And then I lost all of my grandparents in a short amount of time when I was, you know, when I was younger. Um, And then my, my father got sick when I was 13 and he was diagnosed with cancer and um, battled with that for a couple of years. um, And then unfortunately passed away when I was 16. So of course I was introduced to the death of a very significant loved one at a very young age. And my mom was, he was 48 when he passed away. So my mom was a, was a younger widow and we were forced to, I was forced to sort of experience decisions that I didn't know you had to make as, you know, as an adult of selling my father's medical practice and watching my mother struggle with that. And now her new found reality of being a widow and having a long runway of a life without, without, you know, a husband. Um, So that was, of course, a very significant moment in my life and saw my mom struggle through that and her grief, of course. And uh, then fast forward after I went to college and had, had gotten married and had two small kids, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And so now it was round, round two of this. And it was, of course, devastating. And from diagnosis to surgery to death, it was just a couple of weeks. And I just moved into a new home and I just um, started a brand new job, um, which afforded me no time off in the first 90 days. Um, So it was just a very unfortunate timing. And those first, you know, 90 days of being in this trial period and this new position, I had to, um, of course, watch my mom go through a very difficult surgery and then pass away you know, have her funeral and then figure out, you know, what my role was as uh, my sister and I, as the co-executors of her estate. My mother was the caregiver and the financial power of attorney, healthcare proxy for her brother, my uncle. So now those responsibilities were, I had to shoulder those as well, taking over his care while also, yeah. So while also, you know, trying to (laughs) figure out how to stay in this job, grieving the loss of my mother, figuring out how to settle and open and settle her estate, and then take care of an aging loved one, my uncle. And to say I was overwhelmed is the understatement of the century. And God love my mother and my uncle, but they left me with with messes. I mean, my uncle had Mm. two homes. My mother had three, including my grandparents' home, which had been in our family since 1890. Uh, Yes, So pack your bags, ladies and gentlemen, we are going on an executor's journey here. And um, I had to clean out that home. I had to clean out my childhood home. And we had a family lake house that I had to clean out and sell all while doing this. And I think that grief and the executor's burden is not addressed enough in the workplace because we are an older sandwich generation. We're having children later in life. We are living longer. We are living more 
uh, separated from family and don't have that family home that has just been kept in generations, there's sort of a domino effect of decisions that is, you know, happening. And it's just the, the unfortunate reality in our society and community these days. So sort of going back, you know, then my uncle passed away, uh, not too, not a couple of years after that. And so now I was still settling my mom's estate, having to settle my uncle's estate and I was just at a loss. Why isn't there a wedding coordinator, but for death? That, that is a very good analogy. Yeah. I was like, why isn't there a quarterback, a personal assistant, a project manager who can help me navigate all, all of these decisions? Yes, I had the traditional and amazing professionals of the attorneys. And I had to hire attorneys in three different states because I had to open an estate in both my home state, the state where my grandparents' home was, and then when my uncle passed away in his, where he lived. So three estates, you know, three different accountants, three different, you know, there were financial advisors. So I had all of these great professionals. People do not understand that as an executor, there is around 500 hours of work that is left to them to shoulder and to carry out to open and settle an estate. That's a lot of time. It um, is. And, you know, when I was looking through your website, you had said that one of the most common mistakes is underestimating the time, the exhaustion, yeah. and all-encompassing nature of the executor role. So, yeah. you know, what tasks generally fall to someone who is an executor? Oh, my goodness. I mean, from, um, well, let me let me step back and just say, you know, because we are very much a death-denying society and a death-phobic society, we don't really talk about what's going to happen um, when we, you know, leave this earth and the things that are left behind. And the term estate, I think, is so misunderstood. And people think an estate is just for wealthy people. I like to use this analogy that I heard from this attorney, which is so brilliant, that your estate is what you owe and what you owe. So your first sort of, you know, tasks as an executor, after you've, of course, had the funeral and of course, um, secured the homes and any pets or, or minor children who are, might be involved in the situation is figure out what they owe and what they owned. So from all of the different accounts uh, online or any gold coins or stocks or any artwork, cars, boats, you name it. Um, so what they owe and then um, own and what they owe. So is there a mortgage? Is there, um, do they have any personal loans? Do they have any business debt? So all of these things, you really have to do this sort of inventory of everything they owned and owe in order to figure out, you know, what needs to be transferred, retitled, closed, or archived. So that's the, the first process, sort of getting all of that organized. And if you don't have that framework from the very beginning, you will really struggle through the process of just systematizing the whole estate admin process. Yeah, absolutely. So 
once you look at what is, you know, I think a lot of people just think it, it, that it's the financial piece, but there's yeah. also very practical, tactical things that also fall to the executor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, people don't realize that, you know, I like to use the analogy of, you know, when my grandmother passed away, she had that avocado green metal file cabinet that was in the study or the office, and you could open it up and all of their financial accounts were organized in paper form. That is not our lives anymore. Our lives exist in a cloud, on a device, on a computer, and many things are locked behind the phone. So a simple task of, oh gosh, I've got to reach out to mom's friend, Judy, and let her know if you don't know the unlock code to the phone or, you know, the credentials of their computer and email account, getting in touch with important contacts can be hard and can be difficult or impossible. And then there's the very practical uh, aspects of disposing of an, of their, their personal property, their clothes, the tangible personal property in the home, their, you know, Hummel figurine collection, the big brown furniture, the crystal, the jewelry, um, the china, um, you know, some things that people just don't want these days. What to do with their underwear? Um, you know, all of these things that are sort of left behind that you're scratching your head thinking, really, do I really have to figure out what to, what to do here? Um, you know, scraps of paper and Every little tiny thing that could remind you of your loved one can be just fraught with memories and sort of be like a minefield yeah. um, for emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We went through this with uh, my mother-in-law, Nick's mom, about seven years ago, and her financial situation was very basic, but... It was still time consuming to contact all the creditors, you know, to handle all the insurance things mm -hmm. and rehome her dog. Yes. Clean out the apartment. And it was yes. just like, like when you were saying like all those little things and what do you do with them? It was like, you know, Nick was just like, if you can just like kind of handle some of this stuff. That would be great because it's like she had like a drawer of empty asthma inhalers, you know, and it's like he would he got teared up over some of that stuff. And I'm just like, look, just let me just let me do yes. like, why are you? I don't know why she was saving like 15 almost empty asthma inhalers. You know, it was just like the littlest things. The littlest things can be, like I said, just these like emotional minefields of, oh, my gosh. That was like the essence of my mom. I had a client once, her, their mom kept those sucrets um, boxes and they were all over the house and she would keep, you know, coins or pins or, you know, things like that all over the house. And when they kept finding them, it was just like, oh my goodness, this is our mom. This is the essence of our mom. Yeah. Yeah. So when someone finds themselves in this executor role, what are some of the first steps that they should take? Yeah, I think getting organized is paramount at the very, very beginning and sort of taking this moment and saying, okay, pencils down, let's sort of figure out where everything is. Let's get organized. I help clients with online engagement create a master checklist 
um, who are the beneficiaries, who are the key players, sort of a, a very tactical phase one, phase two, phase three checklist. But even just having a spreadsheet of all of those things, expenses that you've incurred, you know, whether you paid for the funeral or the catering for the the lunch afterwards, like keep track of your expenses and, and bills that you may have covered. And then start, you know, writing down accounts from their utilities to their cable to their cash app to what emails they may have used to log into certain things. And then you can start to figure out, okay, here's phase one, phase two, phase three of us systematically, like I said, closing, transferring, archiving, or transferring accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting because, you know, my mother-in-law knew, I mean, she had cancer, so right. she knew there there was a good possibility she wasn't going to make it and Mm -hmm. she put together the she called it the when i die binder Uh, oh my gosh i love it and literally everything was in this binder including she actually had the picture she wanted she wrote her own obituary she pre-arranged she didn't prepay but she pre-arranged for her cremation and uh, you know, she said where she wanted her ashes. And it's it's interesting because yesterday we just got back from Key West because the extended family was just now ready to right. let the ashes rest at the final scattering. resting yeah. place. I, yeah. yeah. So we, we did the scattering in uh in Key West uh this this past weekend, but most people don't do that. No, they do not. They think it's morbid. It's sort of that they think sort of along the same lines of, oh, if I talk about sex, I'll get pregnant. If we talk, you know, if I talk about my death, talk about dying, it's going to happen. That it is. I'm throwing it out in the universe and it is going to come earlier, sooner rather than later. (laughs) And that's just not true. I get really upset when people don't do anything. And your mother-in-law sounds like she was above and beyond the the norm of having things prepared. But what a gift that was to your husband. Not only are you in this moment of, of having to figure out all of those estate admin tasks, but then you're in this moment of intense brain fog mm-hmm. and having to pull together all the details to write the obituary. Wait a minute, where did mom go to get her master's degree what year did she work at such and such and you're in this brain fog and with and thinking oh gosh what what flowers would she have wanted what music would they have wanted what in lieu of flowers organization would they have wanted to Mm -hmm. to, for, for friends and family to make gifts to so having sort of some of that organized reduces that mental energy and gives you more space really be focusing on you and your family and what matters. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the questions that I had, you know, for people who are, especially if they're setting up or revising their estate plan, like, are they, are there specific things that they can do to make it easier on the executor, especially when it comes to the financial side of things? Cause you know, that's what we're focused on here on the money is emotional podcast. 
communication, communication, communication. I can't stress it enough. Your estate plan, I like it to call it your legacy plan because your legacy is more than what you owe and own. It's the essence of you. It's what you're, the imprint you're leaving on this earth. Like that is so much more than just your money. However, having that communication of, hey, son, daughter, niece, nephew, here's where everything is. Here's where I keep my important paperwork. Here's how I pay my bills. Here's, I've set aside money in this vehicle, this um, way for you to pay immediate expenses. Or I've you know, already prepaid for my funeral or memorial. That is one of the biggest things when people pass away and they're like, whoa, wait a minute, how am I going to pay for mom's funeral? I think the average cost of a funeral in the U.S. is seven over $7,000. That's a lot of money. So having that communication of here's what I owe, here's what I own, here's where everything is, here's how I store things, all my jewelry is in this safety deposit box at this bank. You, won't, you, you can't even imagine the number of people who had these box of keys and they're like, I don't know what these go to, does this go to, you know, is this the keys to the kingdom or a palace that we own? Or is this a safe deposit box that's been closed years ago? So just having that communication of, hey, here's everything. Here's where I keep it. Here's what I want. Here's what's important to me. Here's how I want to be remembered. Here's how I want you to grieve me. I want you to have an ash scattering party in Cabo St. Lucas with a craft tequila tasting awesome sauce. Like share that, like don't leave your family to guess. Um, so sort of communication, your legacy plant is a living, breathing thing. It's like a plant. You got to water it every once in a while, make updates, make changes. So constantly revis revisiting, constantly communicating, I think is really the greatest gift that you can give your loved ones. Yeah. Well, and also have an estate plan. Have an estate plan. Yeah. <laughs> Only 46% of Americans even have a will. That's scary. It's so scary. Um, I did this post, you know, a couple of months ago that was, you know, I said, here's what I call BS on the three things I call BS on about estate plans. You know, one of the, the biggest ones being I'll be dead. Why do I care? Your family will care a whole lot. And they will. They're going to be cussing you while you're on the other side of the ground mm -hmm. or wherever you are. It's yeah, it's not going to be nice. So and it's just going to leave anguish instead of ease at a very emotional and, and terrible time for your family. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want the courts deciding how things are going to be handled. That's the thing. If you don't have an estate plan, your state has created one for you. And it's not going to be, most likely it's not going to be what you wanted. So um, there is one and it's going to be the default and it's going to be more expensive, more time consuming and harder for your family. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christinelukin.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. So when should an executor 
reach out for help either to you or to an estate attorney? And then kind of part B to that question is, when do they need somebody like you, who is this death concierge (laughs) versus an attorney? Well, I always encourage sort of require my clients to, to speak with an attorney. I am very clear that I do not take the place of, we are an enhancement. We help um, executors fulfill their duties under the guidance of an attorney. My number one referral source are estate attorneys um, because they come to us needing help, like I said, executing and completing the tasks of their executor duties and really doing things that are maybe outside the scope of an estate attorney. So a lot of clients, like I said, come to me from attorneys. um, That's number one, some from financial advisors. um, And I tell clients we can start working with them as soon as they get the death certificate. And some of them will come to me and they say, okay, my loved one had a will. I'm name executor. I need an attorney. And who can you recommend? So we can both work alongside their team of professionals or help them build their team to really round out um, their executor duties. Yeah. Well, and your your website, which we're going to link up in the show notes, is just like a wealth of information because you you have this one page that lists out like I want to say there's like a million resources on there. <laughs> I know it's I need to probably like it's... fifty, but I mean it's just like oh my god, there's so much good information here. Where I was it's reading a through it, overwhelming. I know, I know. No, I was just like oh my gosh, like I didn't think about someone needing this sort of person or this sort of yeah. person, etc. So yeah, that's the thing. You know, not everybody's going to need me. I'm not for everybody, and. Even if you don't end up using me, I I offer free discovery calls, a 30-minute discovery call for clients. Even if you don't, I love to help push people in the right direction and saying, you don't need me. You don't need me now. You may need me down the road. But here's what, here's some resources for you in the meantime. I know how hard it is. Like it hamstrings your grief process to have to make this sort of domino of decisions when someone dies and you are grieving and you are sadder than you ever imagined and you're so overwhelmed. And so like that is sort of my gift to the universe. If I can help give somebody that time back and point them in the right direction, I feel like I've done my duty. Yeah. Well, and I I speak about this a lot that you don't usually make the best financial decisions when you're emotionally upset. You do not. You do not. Yeah. And and also there's sort of this panic that sets in after, oh my gosh, I've got to do this. These creditors are calling me or the, the hospital's calling me with these bills or what do I do about this? And so it's sort of this decision paralysis and then sort of panic that can set in, which leads people to do make decisions that They may not need to make right then, maybe later, but sort of like helping people to say, hey, I'm here for you. Pencils down. Let's figure this out. Let's come up with a plan. The tragedy has already happened. You've lost your loved one. Let's figure this out together. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've also worked with individuals who have lost someone unexpectedly. And it's just nice to have someone to kind of sort things out and say, 
you know, for me, of course, it's on the financial side to say, okay, here's the things that we do need to address now. Here's the things that can wait and should wait. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't want to make these decisions out of emotion. I'll give you just a a very brief example. I had a young widow in her early fifties and, you know, her and her husband had purchased a piece of land, some acreage that they were going to build their dream home on. Mm. And so when she first came to me for coaching, she's like, well, I guess I'm going to sell that because we're not going to build our dream house anymore. And I was like, whoa, I was like, let's just calm down. And I said, look, what, what is this property costing you? Yeah. It was like almost nothing. You know, it was, it was the property taxes. It was yeah. undeveloped land. They didn't have any maintenance on it. And I said, right. You know what? I just, I don't even want you, you know, th- there's other things over here that, that need to be taken care of. Let's just sit on this for a while because we don't, need to make any decisions about it. But in her mind, it was like, this is what this land was for. Now it's not going to be for this. So I need to get rid of it I right away. It. Yeah. And I, what I, ended I think- up, yeah, what ended up happening is she, she ended up selling it to one of her grown sons mm. who built his dream house on there. So it remained in the family so that the grandkids could enjoy it, which was, one of the secondary, uh-huh. you know, purposes of the property. And uh-huh. so, you know, she did end up getting the financial resources out of that land, but, you know, the land was kept in the family in honor of, of her late husband. So right. I mean, just having that team of professionals around you is super important. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sort of like a, like the conduit of care, you know, just like having or continuum of care, you know, having that around you. And I can't tell you the number of clients I had after our first call, they're like, you can hear them breathing. I'm like, I just feel so much better that I have somebody like that I can talk to and that I'm not doing things wrong or in the wrong sequence or it's just, I, I just feel so much better. And that is such, that is the best testimony I could ever hear. So I know you and I could talk about this for a lot longer. Oh God, we could talk all day. I'm sure. <laughs> we probably could. <laughs> so is there anything you feel that our audience just has to know that we haven't talked about already relative to being an executor? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I would say another mistake that I made was, you know, not interviewing different attorneys, like find somebody who you feel comfortable with. It's going to be a journey. So you want somebody that you sort of click with and feel comfortable with. You don't have to go with the person that your loved one used who helped them create their estate plan. Talk with somebody about, you know, here's what I need. Here's where I go. Here's what I'm scared of. How are you going to communicate with me? What do you think is an estimated timeline? How do you charge? And if there are potential for contested matters, do you handle contested matters? And if not, am I going to need to find somebody else? So take your time to sort of build the team with the superheroes around you that you feel comfortable with. Don't just take the first one. That was a big mistake you know, that I made after losing both my mom and my uncle, um, you know, 
third time around, I will be better prepared. <laughs> now I help my, <laughs> help my clients to try to think through a lot of those mistakes that I made. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. This has been truly an enlightening conversation about a tough topic. Um, I'm sure our listening audience has gained some valuable insight into what the role of an executor entails. Where is the best place for people to connect with you? You can connect with me via my website at um, myafterlight.com. You can connect with me on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, or on LinkedIn. Of course, connect with me personally via um, LinkedIn, Rachel Donnelly. Um, but yeah, you can also send us an email at hello at myafterlight.com if you want to inquire about a potential consultation or have some questions. We serve clients all over the U.S. It's not just where I am here in Atlanta, Georgia. We have clients that are all over the U.S. So reach out. We'll try to come up, you know, figure out if we're a good candidate for you and vice versa, and then help come up with a customized roadmap for you. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was a great conversation, ladies, about uh, a really difficult topic. So thank you, Rachel. You know, you touched on something at the very top. You were a co-executive with your sister. Yes. And I'm kind of curious because I've known people who've been in co-executor relationships where uh, they were a little tense. Let's just say yeah, that that's way. a How great that's that? that's a great thing. And I also have my um, I should have touched on that too. There's there's you know I could just as you can tell I'm not short of words. I am <laughs> I am anti co executor, not because I don't play well with other others in the sandbox. I just think logistically it is a terrible idea. Hmm. So that should have been something I added in, but I am never a fan worth that. I like, to, like I say, friends don't let friends name co-executors. <laughs> <laughs> Just logistically uh. and administering an estate, if you are a co-executor, every decision, everything that's done has to be signed off collaboratively. You both have to go sign a document, get it notarized, get it medallion guaranteed, what have you. And logistically, that can be a nightmare, especially if you're living in different states. My sister and I lived down the street from each other, and it was still difficult. So like I say, friends don't let friends name co-executors. Um, I could go on and on. But yeah, <laughs> um, my Rachel's unpopular opinions about estate planning. <laughs> But I, from from my experience, it's good, solid advice. <laughs> Gets an amen for me. But thank you, Rachel and Christine. Thank you for facilitating the conversation. Uh, we know how to get in touch with Rachel. So now, for folks who may not be familiar with you and don't know how to get a hold of you, how do they reach out to you? Yeah, the best place is my website, which is my name, christinelucan.com. And if they're interested in financial coaching, it's christinelucan.com forward slash apply. And we'll see if I'm a good fit for us to work together. Oh, I'm sure you will be. Yeah, that's K-E-N, not K-I-N, right? Correct. All right. Very good. Like Barbie and Ken. Yeah. Oh, Staying topical. <laughs> <laughs>
But then we'll close out with this. For those listening who are not subscribers to this podcast, this is the easy part. Just hit the button, subscribe. That way you won't miss another one of these episodes of this terrific podcast. It'll be delivered to you directly. And we would also humbly ask that if you like this podcast, please rate it and share it with others and help spread the word about Christine's podcast. On behalf of Christine, I'm Bill Tucker, urging you to do not wait. Go out and live your best life today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line at hello at christinelucan.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucas. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.